You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. You know, this, this is infinitely different than that. You have a character or a moral failing, and you have uh, Protestia immediately making a statement on it, and you have the church immediately jumping into action, and that is the way it's supposed to happen. And J.D. Hall is now out of the limelight, and so I, if he comes back, uh, if, if he wants to get back into this kind of thing, and then I think, yeah, there, there's going to have to be some kind of an explanation there's, or uh, a repentance uh, a um, an, an admission. There's all that stuff is going to have to take place, and I don't know exactly what that looks like. And that's going to be really between him and the church. And then if you, if there is an open door there, I don't sense that there is at Protestia. That's going to be between them. But as far as I can tell right now, JD JD Hall is not in public life anymore. He is uh, at this point. He is in private life. He has uh, kind of stepped away from this. And I don't think it's fair to then say anyone who ever has a problem with SBC or evangelical elites is just the same as J.D. Hall or anyone who ever had an association with J.D. Hall is somehow guilty of J.D. Hall's sins here or they promoted someone uh, who had these issues. And that's one of the reasons I went through my story here just because I have them on the podcast twice. What was my understanding? I've given it to you. That was my full understanding of, of J.D. Uh, no knowledge of um uh, of any of the things that are coming out right now. And I, and I still don't know to, to what extent and for how long the prescription medication thing was going on. I don't know. But um, if it was, I wasn't aware of it. And, and I don't think most people were. Um, and uh, the people in his local proximity at his church, his good friends, the people who uh, see him in person, you know, they would be the ones, if it was an ongoing obvious thing, that would know. Um, so... Um, so I want to at least acknowledge that I, I do understand. I have had some people messaging me like, John, are you going to talk about this? And I, I, I do understand uh, them to, to some extent wanting me to say something or at least acknowledge that this has taken place. Um, I, I think you know, there may be a, a sense behind it of, you know, John, try to warn people to stay away from uh, Protestia or to stay away from J.D. Hall. And the thing is, though, and that's why I'm saying J.D. Hall is not in the public limelight. If he was still writing articles and there was no repentance, and there's no acknowledgement and this stuff. Yeah, I would be saying, yeah, I'd stay away from this guy. Um, there's no, nothing for me to say stay away from, though. He's not not doing anything publicly that I can tell. And I've already told you what would need to happen, I think, if he was going to try to come back and start writing uh, at the very least, at the very least. Um, not knowing even the full extent of what's taken place. Um, and I don't want to go beyond what I can confirm. So that's what I can confirm, and that's what I know. And welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 430 of this podcast. It is with regret that I share with you the, I guess, audio uh, recording of a recent podcast episode by John Harris with Conversations That Matter. That is what I played at the top of this episode. Uh, before I say anything more, in response to what John Harris is saying in his most recent episode from yesterday, uh, let me just say I like John Harris. Uh, everything of his that I've seen and heard thus far, 
have a respect for his handling of topics and his analysis. I think he is measured and he's diligent and even his stated reasons for having not weighed in on the Jordan Hall situation thus far. I can appreciate, I can respect, um, and yet, <laughs> and yet, uh, there's a couple of things I want to unpack here uh, just briefly. And you know, for that matter, John, uh, if I can just address you personally, I don't know if this will get to you, but since you made your remarks in public and I am one of the people who has written about this uh, five years ago, back in 2017, late 2017. So I guess we're coming up on five years, but you have to round up. Uh, I am someone who has raised an alarm about Jordan locally. Uh, We're no longer in city Montana, but we moved there in 2014, moved here to Colorado in 2019. We went to, attended Jordan's church for a time. I wrote about this at On The Rocks blog. Again, as I say, almost five years ago, uh, wrote a follow-up article as well in, I believe it was early 2020, after the Sydney Herald quoted my first piece to try and discredit, uh, you know, actually exactly what you're talking about, John. Uh, they tried to discredit a move to make Richland County, Montana, into a sanctuary, you know, sanctuary county for the Second Amendment, Second Amendment sanctuary. Uh, because he was the spokesperson for that push. Uh, He ran successfully for House District 35 for the Montana State House of Representatives. Uh, He served as the representative for a time. He was very, very involved in politics in the state of Montana, in Richland County, in Sydney, Montana, very much in the public eye for at least the past eight years. And so there's a little bit of a, a head scratcher here for me where, you know, you, John, uh, and also, you know, fighting for the faith F4F, they recently did a podcast episode as well. Uh, all three of uh, the gentlemen in that video said similar sorts of things. Yes, we've had concerns about Jordan for quite some time. Uh, yes, we did share platforms with him for a time, but then we distanced ourselves because we were concerned about his way of relating and some of the things that we were observing and his handling of the truth, his handling of people who uh, he disagreed with or criticized publicly. Uh, you know, for you to say things to him privately, uh, it's very much in the same vein as uh, those gentlemen having said things to him privately. Uh, I appreciate that. I think that was good as far as it went, but insofar as you, John, and also Chris Roseborough, and also Justin Peters, and also Phil Johnson, platformed him. You you loaned Jordan credibility. See, that's what you need to understand is you you helped Jordan to have credibility, to regain credibility, and you helped him to be in the public spotlight. You can say he's not in the public spotlight right now. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, if, if that were enough to say, well, it's not worth going into and getting into, well, then I guess the question would be why even say anything at all today about it? 
uh, at all. You know, as you point out, there are people online who are going to and are already making hay out of this, and they are trying to say, therefore, guilt by association, therefore, everyone who says similar sorts of things, uh, even if they say them much more carefully and are much more circumspect and much more respectful and gentle with those who are wayward or who disagree, uh, you, you all are alike. You all should be thrown out and you all should be uh, discredited. You know, hang up your discernment ministry blogger hat and uh, retire. Yes. And, and actually, this is a point that I made in my articles, uh, you know, back in 2017, back in 2020. This is a point I made explicitly. And if the appetite had been there to search for what the story was locally, uh, you could have found my articles where I, you know, God will be my judge and is my judge, but I tried to be very careful in what I said, how I said it, to thread needles as they needed to be threaded, to not bring a chainsaw where a scalpel was needed. And that, in fact, actually, the whole impetus for my writing at all or podcasting at all was that that was needed, right? My whole reason for weighing in was because that is needed. And when it is needed and someone is liable to discredit your positions, your convictions, your beliefs, your faith as a Christian, your theology as a conservative, a theological conservative, when that is liable to happen, you should care. You should care. And to say, well, I cared enough to keep my distance or I cared enough to say something to him privately and then leave it at that, you know, that that's good as far as it goes. And yet, again, you know, if the fallback now is this is a matter for the local church to handle, well, then what about the fact that I was writing about this in 2017, 2020, and highlighting that elders and deacons in his church had tried to provide that accountability and they were quote unquote church disciplined out. See that that is precisely what I made clear in my writings, my public writings that have a timestamp. You don't have to take my word for it that I had a private conversation with him and just trust me, you know, I, I said all the things that needed to be said and my conscience is clear. I had a private conversation with him also, uh, several, and also warned people publicly. And insofar as you could have had a private conversation with him and then left it at that, maybe that would have been the extent of your responsibility. But here's the, here's the frustration that I have as someone from Eastern Montana, born and raised in Glendive, Montana, moved my family to Sydney in 2014 after coming back to the state in 2012 to get into working in the oil and gas industry. A lot of people in Eastern Montana were bullied into silence, into letting Jordan run roughshod over them in the church, run them out of the church, uh, quiet them in the state of Montana more broadly on the grounds that men like you, John, helped 
lend your credibility to Jordan at key times, at strategic points. And yet where there was evidence, at least that, you know, if you didn't have to take my word for it, that's fine. Uh, Who am I? But if there was at least evidence that it was worth looking into and trying to contact elders and deacons at FBC Sydney, uh, who did that, right? You know, a similar sort of a thing I will say here as to what I said about the fighting for the faith response to the Jordan Hall situation. You know, their video is the fall of the the fall of JD Hall. I call him Jordan, but I guess he's known online more typically as JD. But you know, again, as I said with my response to that video here recently, if you were. If you were in a position to benefit somehow or your audience was in a position to benefit somehow from platforming him twice, then so also too, presumably your audience and you and others besides were also in a position to be harmed by him. And where you and these other men admit to reservations, concerns, uh, objections to his manner of relating to the truth and to other people. I mean, it it really is beside the point whether he had Asperger's or a vitamin D deficiency or a Xanax addiction or whatever. You know, if he was abusing alcohol, well, all of a sudden that's a scandal. If he's abusing Xanax, well then, you know, maybe it's not quite as bad because there's not quite as much of a stigma attached to Xanax as there is to alcohol. But, you know, I would note, and this is a departure from the typical traditional SBC position. I'm not a Southern Baptist for the record, but you know, I know that the SBC takes a really hard line stance on alcohol, namely when it says in Paul's qualifications list for Timothy and Titus in the New Testament that someone who's going to be an overseer cannot be addicted to much wine, the interpretation of that is extra strict. And Vody Bacham actually preached on this at Cedarville University, when my wife and I attended in 2006, he preached on this, and it is why I still love Vodi Bakum. Even if we disagree on maybe some points of doctrine here and there, I love and respect Vodi Bakum for preaching clearly on the inconsistency in our strict interpretation of some points with regards to biblical qualifications for overseers and deacons in the New Testament. We are extra strict, SBC, and we're going to interpret not addicted to much wine as you can't drink alcohol at all, not even a drop, not even a glass of wine in the evening on your wife's and your anniversary. Nope, not even a drop. And if it's a Xanax addiction, there's kind of a twofold implication. If that's all that is said and no more, there's the implication that, for one, yeah, that's not good, Jordan, that you got addicted to Xanax. That's not good. But in some sense, there's the hidden suggestion that the Xanax made him do it. Or if we say he had Asperger's, or if he said he had Asperger's, there's a kind of scapegoating. Well, it wasn't really me. It was the Asperger's talking. It wasn't really me threatening these men and women's lives it was the Asperger talking. It wasn't really me. It was the Xanax. And the trouble there is there are no such exceptions for overseers and deacons in the biblical text. Uh, 
There's there's no footnote. There's no asterisk beside able to manage his household well, must have a good reputation with outsiders. There's no asterisk there about how, you know, unless you're taking a prescription medication that, you know, makes you lose control. You know, unless unless you've got a vitamin D deficiency that you're having treated, unless you've got Asperger's. You know, to my mind, there's a responsibility in these kinds of situations. If there is a medical condition in the mix, hey, we love you and we want you to get that medical condition treated. If you have a developmental disability, hey, we love you and we want you to get treatment. We still want you to be a part of our fellowship, maybe if you're willing to behave and submit yourself to the authority of God's word and to the local body of believers. But, you know, it's like I told uh, an American Baptist pastor years and years ago, I was 20 years old when I wrote an American Baptist pastor in Hillsborough, Ohio, a letter asking what his qualifications were to be a pastor based on several things I had observed in his life, his way of relating, his way of talking, his mode. You know, you can have these gifts, you can have these abilities, you can have talents, you could be able to communicate really well, you can have some wisdom, you can have some insight, you can have an understanding of the scriptures, you could have spiritual gifts and yet not be qualified to be a pastor. And and there's this response that I got 15 years ago when I wrote that pastor. You know, for one, he went around besmirching me to anybody who would listen and telling them he didn't want to have anything to do with me whatsoever ever again. Didn't even want to go to social functions where I might be there. But there's that. And then there's also the response he gave me of, well, I just don't believe the Lord would want me to have invested so much time and energy in becoming a pastor and then have it all be for nothing and walk away. I, I just, I feel like the Lord wants me to keep on going. Well, that's very Pentecostal type reasoning there, uh, depending on how you look at it. Hey, the scriptures say this, but I just really feel like the Lord wants me to do this other thing. Well, maybe I just really feel like we should be obedient to our Lord and Savior. I, I just really feel like it almost is beside the point how you feel. I don't want to be callous, but if you've disqualified yourself or if you're no longer qualified, you were qualified for a time, but you're no longer qualified, then I just really feel like it should be something you're convicted of that you're disobeying now, right? And and the trouble here is the, the argument for having stayed out of this, John, Chris, Bill, Justin, the argument for having stayed out of all this predicated on the local church providing that accountability that was needed or the elders and the deacons in the local church providing that accountability that was needed. Well, hey, if something's wrong, they'll say something. They'll deal with it. You know, Paul Washer was approached by the leadership at one point asking for his help because he had clout and he was a friend of Jordan's. He was approached at a certain point and the response from the spokesperson, not from Paul himself, very wise move. Don't have Paul respond. Have a spokesperson respond. Plausible deniability. You're being a politician. The response from a spokesperson for, I think it's called Heart's Cry, 
Ministries was Paul doesn't get involved in local church matters. That's going to have to be dealt with by the elders and the deacons there at Jordan's church. For you gentlemen to fall back on the local body providing that accountability, when I wrote, I wrote and I published in 2017 and 2020 assurances that the local elders and deacons had been quote unquote church disciplined out when they tried to provide that accountability. Was there no one in your circle who brought that to your attention and said, Hey, you know, like this thing you're expecting to have happen is not going to happen because an additional scandal here is that he runs off anyone who would provide that accountability. Did no one in your circle bring that to your attention? Did you not see, did you not ever do a Google search? To find out, hey, you know, what is the word on the street for people who are at his church, for people who are in his leadership community at FBC Sydney? If you had these concerns and yet you didn't research it or you ignored when people reached out to you to raise those concerns, even in some cases, allegedly, and on good authority, I have it from the elders and deacons themselves. If you not only ignored it, but you said, oh, we don't get into that. We don't do that here. Then I have to scratch my head a little bit as to whether this was just a foregone conclusion. And for that matter, too, to all of our (laughs) consideration, I would submit a reminder of what Paul writes to the church in Corinth about a man who is living in sexual immorality openly, proudly, flaunting his sin, and they all know about it, put the guy out if he's unrepentant. You would say, ah, yeah, church discipline, that's a local matter. But why then wait until we have Xanax to pin it to, when by your own accounts, you could see his way of treating people, you could see his way of relating to people, and you could have very easily followed up on reports You could have not taken my word for it, and that would have been wise. Who am I? You don't know me. But you could have followed up on these reports about his engagement with the elders and the deacons. Hey, like, hey guys, what's the story here? How's he treating you? How's he treating your families? How's he treating his family? And instead, your silence, except to platform him for years, made it actually all the more impossible for the local leadership to provide that accountability because he used your names. He used your names. And that isn't to say that you wanted him to use your names, but he did. I even wrote into my articles for On the Rocks, which are still out there. To my knowledge, you can still go look for them and read them. I haven't edited them. I haven't changed them. I wrote it into the articles. And you can use Wayback Machine as well. I think if you want to find an archive of what it was just to confirm that I haven't changed it after the fact, hindsight being 2020, oh, how do we know? Use the Wayback Machine. Go for it. I warned that he was doing this locally, that he was bullying people, that we had people, men, godly men, worried for their own physical safety, They were afraid for their lives, and I am not exaggerating. 
They were afraid for their lives, lest word would get back to him that something they had said or done threatened his reputation, his authority, his credibility, his growing fame or infamy, depending on how you want to look at it. I warned about this, and you either didn't know because you were busy with other things, and that may well be, or or you didn't know because you didn't want to know. Plausible deniability. I, I didn't hear anything about this. I missed that memo. You know, actually, John, I do believe you were very recently, like in the past several weeks, contacted by my cousin. And you were invited to speak with people who had firsthand knowledge of the situation on the ground in Sydney, Montana. You were contacted in large part because we do respect the work you've done on the Southern Baptist Convention and socialism and social justice and wokeism and critical race theory. We respect the work you've done there and I believe it's very important that Christians be providing that accountability and we not leave it to the godless, those who are outside the church, because what they're going to do with it is much the same as what the pagans Augustine responded to in the city of God were doing. We're going to use this to try and prove that we've been right all along about all you Christians. Paul, at a certain point in the New Testament, addresses this issue of believers taking one another to court. And he asks the question, wouldn't it be better for you to suffer than to take these matters before unbelievers? Paul, at a certain point in the New Testament, asks a very point-blank question. Is there not any among you who has wisdom to judge these matters? Do you not know we will judge angels? How much more so matters pertaining to this life? Is there not any among you who has wisdom to judge these matters? And the sad thing is, some of y'all, I think, were concerned about exactly what you're talking about here, John. You were concerned that this would discredit discernment ministry bloggers writ large. And I personally don't like that term. I probably am classified as a discernment ministry blogger. Technically, I don't like that term. I don't see myself, I don't brand myself as a discernment ministry blogger. Have I been told that I have a spiritual gift of discernment? Yes. I make no such claim about myself. The claim I make is, I have God's word, and so do you. And what does it say? And what does that mean? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. What does that mean? Study to show yourselves approved workmen who need not be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. What does it mean that no charge should be admitted against an elder except on the testimony of two or three witnesses? But if you have the two or three witnesses, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, the rebuke is supposed to be in the presence of all. And there is far too much convenience to saying all only means the local body of believers when we have example after example in the New Testament of all, meaning 2,000 years of Christians all over the world. Not just all of the Christians who were in the church writ large 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years of Christendom reading about the rebukes, the warnings, the admonishments, the reminders, the instructions, the challenges. Yes, sometimes the shaming. You are in sin. You're in error. 
you're being foolish, you're being wicked, you're being partial. You're undermining the gospel by your testimony. And here's what I see. I see cropping up again and again, and I've heard this from people on the ground at FBC, and to be fair, Joshua Chavez, if you're listening, Service Christi, if you're listening, God bless you for having taken this up. Please be careful with the people of FBC Sydney, because it shouldn't be assumed that all of them were witting accomplices in this. Actually, they are not those who are judged with greater strictness. Those who should be judged with greater strictness, according to the scriptures, are those who presume to teach. And insofar as someone presumes to teach, at a local level, the accountability should be as broad and far-reaching as their attempt at influence. But insofar as the influence that they have had and are having still is at a national level or an international level, insofar as if the Lord tarries, God willing and the creek don't rise, another 2,000 years of church history may look back on all of this and try to learn important lessons about our handling of the truth, our treatment of God's word, whether we were faithful and obedient, whether we loved one another, you have a responsibility to more than just Jordan Hall here. And that seems to have been forgotten. Far too much of the response I've seen, John, Justin, Chris, Phil, with respect, in the sight of all, emphasizes how this all affects Jordan. What about his family? What about the effect on them? What about FBC Sydney and the effect on them? What about Christians all across this country who have lived in fear that they would become the subject of a pulpit and pen or protestia article or podcast and have their reputations destroyed on hearsay and rumor, speculation, insinuation, the creating of impressions? Locally, people in Sydney, Montana have been afraid for their lives and their livelihoods for a decade because of Jordan Hall's influence nationally and locally. No, not everybody was under his spell. That's an important thing to remember, Joshua. With respect and appreciation, it's important to remember not everybody was under his spell like they believed everything he was claiming about himself and about them and about the church and about the truth. A great many more were just afraid. They were afraid that he would destroy them and the people they cared about if they crossed him. And that really is the point here, John. That really is the point here, that your platforming of Jordan contributed to his being able to leverage proximity with you. It kept him on life support locally enough that he continued spiritually abusing people in the Sydney, Montana, and Eastern Montana, and the whole state of Montana community, especially Christians. If he bore false witness by his own admission against some trans activist in the state capitol, that is bad, and that is wicked, and that actually disqualified him right there. If some of these other men knew that his details were wrong in some of the articles, and they approached him and they said, and you can listen to the Fighting for the Faith podcast, The Fall of J.D. Hall, for Phil Johnson and Justin Peters and Chris Rosebro attesting to this, he got details wrong and they contact him to say, hey, these details are not correct. That is not true. 
And then his response was to not retract the story, but to leave the misleading clickbaity headline up and then to put a little tiny qualifier at the very, very bottom where almost nobody was going to read it and it was going to continue to stick. Why? Because he cared more about protecting his authority and getting fame for himself. So with respect, with respect, John, this is actually why people reached out to you asking you to pick this up. This is actually why there was a keen interest in you being the one to cover the story of what actually was happening on the ground locally. Because if you actually handle it, well, then we're not leaving it to progressives and muckrakers who hate Christianity and they hate the influence of theological conservatives and political conservatives and social conservatives, and they want to destroy all of it by negative association with Jordan Hall. That is precisely why you were contacted. And you don't know more about the situation on the ground. I dare say, from what I've heard on a credible source, you don't know more because you didn't want to know more. You looked the other way. You knew by your own admission, you knew that all was not right. And again, if it's vitamin D, if it's NX, if it's Asperger's, it doesn't mean somebody's not a Christian, but by golly, who was taking responsibility to say, you ought not to be a minister. You are not qualified. You are disqualified. In the Old Testament, it got, (laughs) and this is a little crass, but it got very, very specific about the priests and what blemishes physically, physical deformities, some of them you get a little squeamish if you're decent to imagine anybody verifying, hey, do you have any blemishes, uh, <clears throat> you know, in certain places on your body? If so, you cannot be the priest for this context. God says no. Well, so also, if you don't meet the biblical qualifications for overseer and Deacon, you ought not to be asked to fill that post in the first place, or when accountability is attempted locally by the other elders and deacons, you ought not to be shushed and shamed by high-profile figures around the country with huge audiences who contribute to, in some active and passive ways, making it easy to church discipline you out You're the problem. The problem's not the problem. The problem is that you're trying to talk about the disqualification of this man. So with respect, we need to be reading our Bibles more. You want discernment? Don't take my word for it. Don't take John Harris's word for it. Don't take Service Christie's word for it. Don't take Jordan Hall's word for it, for sure. Get into God's word. Let God be true and every man a liar. We do that and we will find refuge for our souls. And Lord knows we need it. God is good. And he will work all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That must include this situation. So take heart. He's overcome the world. But for our purposes, the question ought to be not, oh God, why is this happening? The question to our minds ought to be, dear Lord, what would you have me do here? How can I serve you? Don't fear man who can only kill the body and then has nothing more he can do to you. Don't fear man. Fear God. Fear of man lays a snare. Whoever trusts in Yahweh is safe. Fear God, and you will have wisdom. You will have discernment. Some of us need a great deal more of the fear of the Lord. 
But I got to run. We've got guests coming in from Nebraska here in about 15. I need to go help make sure we're ready. That's all I will say for today on this. I needed to respond a little bit. Do be praying for those involved. Pray for protection for those who are afraid that the Lord would protect his own. Of course he will. Rest easy in that. Justice will be served. Man reaps what he sows. God is faithful. He will not put more on us than we can bear. Trust in the good Lord. By God's grace, we will overcome and endure and go through this. But for now, as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.